So what do you do? Um, <laughs> I coordinate the CSA network, uh, which is the Community Supported Agriculture Network in the UK. And Community Supported Agriculture Farms, <clears throat> there's lots of different types, but mainly the um, thing that uh, links them all is that um, the producers and the consumers share the risks and rewards of farming and basically the community is supporting the farm in some way or other, whether that is, um, you know, paying for their vegetables up front or buying shares in the farm or helping out with um, actual manual work on the farm, helping with growing and harvesting um, or other ways. Um, and the main reason for doing this is one, it um, makes it more viable for the farmer because they know they've got um, you know, a certain number of members and customers that is enough to basically cover the cost of production, then you know, they've kind of got a secure income for the year. And also, you know, farming is hard, so if you can have help with labour as well, then that reduces your labour costs. And um, the consumers benefit by um, getting fresh, affordable produce and having a link to the farm. So there's all the physical and mental health benefits of growing that they benefit from. And they also benefit from being part of a community. And um, yeah, farms do lots of events and training and other things. So they benefit from all that. So most people who are members of CSAs do it because they really like the produce they get and it's better than any other produce. So that's why they keep going there, they keep being members, but yeah, they just like being part of that community. Yeah, we're a, we're a member of Sutton Community Farm. Yeah. We get a veg box, we get a veg bag. Yeah. Um, and we also get a meat box from, um, oh, is it Rosewood Farm in Lincolnshire, Robert Rose? Yeah, I don't know them, but could be. An organic beef farm in a conservation area in Lincolnshire, and, and uh, we get a meat box. We also get a fish, a fish box. There's a, yeah. Um, um, there's a guy who drives down to the coast every early on Friday morning, comes back with a van full of fish. Yeah. And drops some off at points in southwest London and we go along every week and we pay for 12 weeks up front. Yeah. And we don't know what we don't know what fish we're gonna get. And he's he's got lots of videos on his website about how to prepare different kinds of fish. Fantastic. So we get we get our vegetables, meat and fish from the you know the, the yeah. from various veg boxes and um so why why do you do it? Why do you do what you do? Me personally. Yeah. <laughs> um, because um, I think it is the most uh, ethical and sustainable way to um, get food. I think, you know, basically I'm a cook, I'm a chef and I like good quality produce. I personally think it's better to buy direct from the farm because then you get the freshest, best quality produce. You don't get good quality produce in my shops because it's been transported long distance and sat around for a long while. And, you know, if you get it from a CSA, it's basically generally been harvested that day. 
so you've got a few hours between when you get it and you just wouldn't get produce like that from anywhere else um, and I think small scale farms are the most sustainable way to farm so you can have organic farms but they could be huge they could still be huge and still be mainly one crop whereas um, the cat um, <laughs> whereas small scale mixed farms is best for the environment and best for wildlife and best for soil and um, I mean I don't personally eat meat or dairy or anything else but if you are going to eat meat or dairy or anything else then I think that is the most ethical way to do it because I think having a small number of livestock and also it gives people an understanding of how meat is produced how did you get into it? Uh, well, I used to, um, well, a long time ago, I was a five a day coordinator for the Primary Care Trust. Uh, so I've always done like health promotion work. Then I worked to sustain as a food co-ops project coordinator. And then I set up my own vegan organic local food cafe. And then where was that? In Hastings. Um, and then I had a baby and then I sold the cafe <laughs> and then I did this. So I've kind of, well, I've always known about CSA since I was doing the food cops work because it was all part of making local food work, which involved the CSA programme as well. So, um, but I've actually never been part of the CSA just because there hasn't ever been one near to me. I've been, I've been a member of lots of veg box schemes, but not actual CSA schemes. Oh, right. Okay. So, so, so what's the difference between a veg box scheme and a CSA scheme? Is it because you, you actually go to the farm and you become... Yeah. I mean, it's in, when veg box schemes first came to this country and started all around the world, the original, well, one of the original things that was based on was a Japanese um, scheme called Taikai, which I can't remember what Taikai stands for. But Taikai in Japan is the CSA scheme in Japan. So originally, veg boxes were CSAs, um, and in Japan, it generally they were generally started by groups of ladies who were um, concerned about pesticides. So they approached local farmers, and they said they'd help the farmers with packing veg into boxes, and that's how the original veg box scheme started. Um, and then in other countries, like in the US, there's thousands. CSAs and they are just veg box schemes. They don't really have that much community involvement. So a veg box scheme here would be called a CSA in the USA. Um, but here the main difference is just yeah, is the community involvement. So you can have a veg box scheme that just, you know, grows produce, might buy in some produce and just supplies it every week, but the community aren't involved in any way really and in a CSA the community will be involved in some way whether that's um, as I say helping out on the farm or going to events or committing to um, a share of the harvest but I would say there's lots of veg box schemes now that don't think they're CSAs but they're pretty much you know like 
Right, so the, the, CSA, the CSA network isn't involved with VegBox schemes? Yeah, lots of our members are VegBox schemes, but not all VegBox schemes are CSA. I've got you. Okay, so, all right. So the, a lot of the CSA farms also do VegBoxes. Well, most of the CSA farms do veg boxes. They do. But there are obviously hundreds of other veg boxes that don't call themselves CSAs because they so don't. The, so the key is inviting people onto your farm and, and having that personal link. Yeah. It's the community is involved in some way or other. Not always helping out on the farm, but some there's more of a link between the farm and the community. It's not just an exchange of goods. Yeah, um, I know that. I know that we can go to certain community farm if we want to, but it's quite a distance, so we don't. Yeah, we just get the veg box delivered. Uh, so you know, we we want to support them. Um, we 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 are a part. Of, there's there's there are three couples in London who are looking to start a housing co-op or some sort of a co-housing project. And one yeah. of the places, one of the places we're looking at is Hastings, and we we went to Hastings oh. last. Week. Wow. And we, we spent a few days in Hastings and just to yeah. check it out, it's the friendliest place we've ever been. <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah. everybody, everybody wants to talk to you. I, I, it was incredible. We had such a great time. Everybody was so friendly. So we may be, we may be moving down there. I don't know. Yeah, I've moved to Devon now, so I'm not oh, yeah. there anymore. Oh, right. Yeah, Hastings is good. But you have to get in quick before the property prices go no, up. And we were we were saying that to people. We don't want to be those, you know, down from London people who are going to put the prices up. We want to start some sort of a co-op. Yeah, there's yeah. a few housing co-ops there already. Are there? Okay. Yeah. Um, Look into what they're doing. Um. So what? What? How are you doing? How is the CSA network doing? What successes have you had? Um. Um, so we um, we just got another three years funding from Esme Fairburn, so they basically support our work. Um, there are over a hundred CSAs in the country, um, and we've helped support at least fifteen new ones in the last couple of years. So every you know, you're not going to get hundreds setting up every year but I think every year the membership will increase by about 15-20%. Um, we run a mentoring program so a lot of the new CSAs we basically arrange for them to get advice from existing CSAs to go and visit them and um, give them start-up advice and we also have a kind of A to Z guide to setting up a CSA which we send to all our members. Um, so numbers are definitely growing. Um, the main, uh, currently the main startups tend to be producer-led CSAs, um, tend to be either younger people who've basically done lots of training in horticulture and want to set up as growers straight away and they tend to be quite young 25 ish and start on a small piece of land and CSA works for them because they want to start small so they just start with about like 20 customers um, often it's just part-time so they have to do other jobs to earn enough money um, 
and then the other types tend to be kind of older, not old people, but middle-aged people who have maybe had this career change and have enough money to buy a house with a plot of land and the plot of land is big enough to set up a small holding and again they want to involve the community in what they're doing and quite a lot of them are more interested in doing sort of education work as well as um, just buying produce. Um, so those are the two main new types that we see starting up at the moment. So, so CSA is growing, is on the rise? Yeah, yeah. I think a lot, I don't know what the percentage of new entrants is, but there's a, the Soil Association runs this Future Growers Scheme, which is um, people who want to set up um, organic uh, veg businesses and quite a high percentage of them go on to set up CSAs. So it's one of the main things that new entrants to growing seem to go for. They either do that or they supply to restaurants because if you supply to restaurants, you can kind of make more money growing fewer crops. Um, if you set up a CSA, you make less money, but maybe have a more rewarding growing experience. <laughs> so, so, so is that the place for farmers to go then? What did you say was the Soil Association future? That's for people who want to become growers. It's a kind of apprenticeship training and apprenticeship scheme. So a lot of kind of new people who want to set up veg growing businesses. I think, I can't remember how many they train every year. They might train 20 people every year or something. But it just seems that a lot of them then go on to set up CSAs or work in CSAs. And what if you're a, a farmer or a smallholder and you, you're thinking that CSA might be, if you want to find out more or if you want to become a CSA, um, yeah, well, they can come to us because we provide them with startup advice, and we can they can sign up to our mentoring program. Um, we don't get a lot of existing farmers changing CSA. Don't be no, it tends to be new entrants. Because I think with existing, sorry. Wait, now go on, carry on. I think. Um, yeah, it depends on the type of farm they're running anyway. If they're already an organic farm um, and already doing some sort of, um, you know, vegetable scheme or direct marketing, they wouldn't necessarily change over to CSA unless there was a reason to. I think maybe as the existing organic farmers grow older, and some of them want to pass their farms on to people or kind of, you know, it becomes too hard for them to farm on their own, then CSA is a way for them to bring in more people and get more help from the farm. So that might be um, future growth as well. Are all CSA farms organic? Uh, they're not all certified organic, but most of them grow according to organic principles. What if they didn't? Sorry? What if they didn't? If they didn't, they could still call themselves a CSA. Well, so it's not, there's no correlation no, between CSA I and mean, 
on our website it says you know one of the principles of csa is care for the environment but <clears throat> we don't you know certify them or inspect them or anything else would you but, encourage them to be organic or you know encourage <coughs> them to use pesticides yeah i mean we don't advise on that sort of thing so and people don't ask us about that sort of thing but i think anyone who knows what csa is has probably found out about it because they're into organic so the only reason people aren't certified is because generally some of the very small ones the cost of certifying is um you know it's too big a cost and also because they're supplying direct to their customers and their customers can come and visit them they you know they don't necessarily need certification for people to understand what they're doing and, and they're not using pesticides. So, um, I spoke to um, I spoke to Simon Fairley. You know Simon Fairley, the land yeah. landlady, yeah. and he's yeah. his his position is that um, um, it shouldn't it shouldn't be the organic farmers who have to pay for certification. It should be the pesticide farmers who have to pay to use pesticides, and and yeah, it should be the other way around. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, yeah, it seems like it's costing you more money to do the right thing, which is. Yeah. Um, are there CSAs all over the country? Yep. Uh, they are, we've got a map on our website so you can see where they all are. Um, there tends to be slightly more in the Southwest. Yeah. And I'm, I'm in Wales, uh, generally due to land prices, I would say, or ease of, getting hold of land because people want to live in the southwest. Um, <clears throat> but in Wales there is more government support for CSAs, so they've definitely had more support there than in other areas. But apart from that they are spread quite evenly. There's what, what, less in Scotland. There's not that many in Scotland. There's only one in Northern Ireland at the moment. Um, what sort of support have they got from the Welsh Government? Um, well, the Welsh government has, I think, they've given funding to other organisations to support. Um, so the Federation of City Farms and Community Gardens, they have a whole programme to support all different types of um, uh, community growing, but CSAs is part of that. And I think that comes from Welsh government funding initially. Um, and CSA is not, is not just veg, is it? It's no. anything that... Uh, it's anything. I mean, I would say the large majority of our members are mainly veg. So there's only a few that are just livestock. And then there's quite a few that do veg and livestock. There's honey as well. There's bread CSAs. Um, obviously the fish ones you mentioned. There's only a couple. There's only a couple of those, yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, you could use it for any produce, really. Because um, in terms of a kind of subscription scheme, it could be any produce anywhere that people buy. Is there any organisation that is a network of veg box uh, providers? No, there's not really an organisation that I mean, obviously the Soil Association 
um, support, well, they used to do more to support them, but they only support the ones that are certified organic. So, because um, mm. with VegBox scheme, the farm's got to be organic, but then also the, the kind of packing has to be certified organic as well. Mm. Um, so there isn't, yeah, there isn't one organisation that supports VegBox schemes. I think there was a VegBox uh, um, person who was trying to set one up. And there's also um, growing communities are setting up a new scheme. Well, they've got a scheme called Better Food Traders, um, <clears throat> which they've helped a certain number of um, organic VegBox schemes set up. And now I think they want to kind of set up a national scheme promoting but it wouldn't just be vegetable schemes it would be shops or bands or cafes that all that are kind of supplying that's interesting products. okay so i'll talk to them as well maybe yeah um what what problems or barriers what are the biggest problems or barriers that you face as an organization or as the farms um yeah both um i mean our barrier is mainly just getting the funding to do the work um <laughs> and um you know so we only have limited time there's only me two days a week uh doing all of this and oh really okay yeah and uh obviously we have to keep getting funding to um do the work that we do and because the farms we support don't have much money we can't really get them to pay for the services because they can't afford to pay for the services so we'll generally always have to be subsidized in some way and rely on funding some way um, to support the work we're doing whereas if there was government funding to support this funding to encourage more new entrants then it would obviously be easier is that looking likely um, we've just set up a new fruit and veg alliance, which is an alliance of lots of organisations that support growers. They're not just small scale growers, it goes like large, large uh, producers. But that is to try and get the government to support growers more because we need to eat more fruit and vegetables. So in order to meet our dietary targets, if there's more done to support growers, then we can grow more in the UK. And that could, well, it could mean changes to the way, obviously, subsidies are given out post-Brexit. Um, and people could be rewarded for public goods and not just looking after the environment, but also <clears throat> providing healthy produce and educating their consumers. Yeah, tell us a bit more about that then. I mean, what, what, what sort of subsidies do farmers get now? How would you like to see that change? <clears throat> well, at the moment, if you're under five hectares, you don't get anything. So most of our members and most fruit and veg growers don't get anything. That's outrageous. <laughs> which is obviously completely silly because <laughs> people are supposed to be a third of people's diet or more than a third supposed to be fruit and vegetables. Whereas there's lots of subsidies for, you know, large farms producing, you know, sugar or, yeah. or meat yeah. and dairy. 
which you're not supposed to be eating so much of in your diet. So if the subsidies was based on what is a healthy diet, then most of the money should be going to fruit and veg growers. At the moment, the least is horticulture get that gets the least amount of support, and small scale growers get nothing basically. How do we change that? Well, we just have to keep lobbying the government to try and change it, and you know, it all depends what happens post Brexit, what the budget is, and how it's divided up. You know, they might just reduce subsidies for everyone rather than redistributing it more evenly um, so yeah it's um, hard to tell at this stage they're saying lots of the right things but that doesn't mean uh, are they yeah Michael Gove has actually said some of the right things <laughs> occasionally um, so I mean I'm that's not our main work but the Land Workers Alliance that is like one of their main things and they have had quite a lot of success talking to the right people and getting them to listen to their arguments. So. I'll talk to Alice some more about that. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, for the actual CSA farms, I mean being a small scale grower is just hard basically. It will always be hard, you will never earn a lot of money and um it's constant work and so there's only a few people who are going to want to go into it as a career but um for you, those have that, you have to love it yeah. i suppose yeah so the ones that are doing it are doing it for environmental reasons because they want to have a positive impact on the environment and yeah because they love being outside and they love growing but yeah you're never going to get rich doing it and yeah it's as a um terms of work-life balance there isn't <laughs> well there is but it's always on the farm basically. yeah it has to be your life it has to be your life completely doesn't it yeah. yeah and you know things like you know the current hot weather can just you know have you know a major impact on your on your um ability to grow and so, yeah. so, so, so how can these problems be overcome, do you think, both for the CSA network and for farmers? I think, I mean, it's hard because the price of, you know, organic fruit and veg is already, it's not high, but it's still not affordable. That's the thing is most people's incomes are not high enough to be able to afford it. So if the price went up even higher even fewer people would be able to afford it i mean in most cases it is it isn't that expensive so it's definitely cheaper than supermarkets if you're buying the equivalent produce at supermarkets far cheaper to get it from the csa and in organic cases, organic yeah, food, organic is food direct okay. it's cheaper right. but in some cases it's actually cheaper than a non-organic as well so when it's like time for courgette gluts you know, courgettes will be far cheaper direct from a farm than they would be in a supermarket. Oh, so, so that's something to really follow up on, isn't it? People's perception is that it's expensive, but actually, if you know, if you get it at the right time of the year, direct from the farm, then it's not that expensive. 
All right. So the seasonal the seasonal aspect is important for yeah. for price. Yeah, and obviously what varieties you're buying is important. Um, but at that price, you know, most farms aren't making huge profits. So um, I think there does have to be a subsidy somewhere, personally, because I think the you know the amount of positive public goods that they're providing as well as providing fruit and vegetables they are you know looking after the environment they are promoting good health so i think they should be subsidized personally yeah, maybe, maybe maybe it wouldn't need any extra money either maybe just a, a switch of subsidy from the big farms yeah. to the small yeah. farms yeah and i think because at the moment quite a lot of csas apply for grant funding to support their work which i think is fair enough they should be able to apply for grant funding but if there was government funding as well because at the moment like the big lottery is doing what the government should be doing so they're supporting this work because it's good for local communities whereas you know the government should be supporting it because it's good for local communities yeah yeah and the actual cost you know would be minimal compared to you know like most of the subsidies given out go to the richest farmers and quite a lot of those richest farmers just have horses on their land they don't even farm the land because yeah. it's based yeah. on the size of the land not what is produced so yeah it shouldn't actually cost more it should just be yeah and that's ridiculous isn't it just paying subsidies on the size of your holding that is yeah completely ridiculous <laughs> ponies on your land it's just yeah so what um right so how can individuals help well individuals just need to buy some csas if they have one near them i mean not mm -hmm. everyone has one near them but if they do um you know most it sounds like more and more people are getting one near them yeah yeah i mean in some cases the csas were set up by the community so where there wasn't one, the community got together and said, right, well, we want to be able to buy, you know, local produce. So they're the ones that start it up. And then they either employ a grower or do the growing themselves or the, you know, and again, it's not just fruit and veg, it's um, livestock and other things. So if there is, you know, if local people don't have something near them and want set something up we can help them set it up as well so it's either a case of you know working with existing farms or setting up a new farm but that's you know a lot of the big csas like stroud was all driven by the community because they wanted to be able to have that produce there um, yeah in stroud obviously yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so there's lots of areas of the country where there may, you know, people might not be able to find that type of produce. They want. The, um, just a person, I used to live in Japan. I lived in Japan for a year. And I don't know whether this is what you were talking about, but there was something called the Seikatsu Club. Yeah. It was groups of housewives in Tokyo and they got together and yeah. they decided they wanted to get better food. And they, and it, they started something like CSA and it ended up they... They started their own farms, and it's huge now. It's, it's spread right away across Japan. Yeah, yeah. 
I, yeah, I had so that's where it started in Japan was one of where it started in Japan and then kind of biodynamic farms in Germany and Switzerland they both kind of started it at the same time and then it spread to the US and other countries um, but yeah it's really big in China now and CSAs in Brazil Eastern Europe there's lots of new CSAs starting so it's like spreading all over the world. 